We thank you, God, for making us your family and for the particular way that you've brought each of us here in this space together through our identification with you as expressed in the Episcopal Church. And we thank you for things that seem benign or mundane, such as technology, that can make possible a way for us to be connected with one another and to hear your good news. Bless our ears and our hearts that we might hear you in new ways this morning. Amen. Please be seated. And while I'm setting this up, if you all want to come down here so you can see, feel free. Anyone who can't see the television, this is your chance to uh, move to a seat unless you just want to listen. Well, allow me just to share some um, thoughts as we begin. And, and this is not a sermon. Um, It's a little early for y'all to start this, but but I did happen to find a text. Just it comes from 1 Corinthians chapter two. The Apostle Paul wrote, and I quote: "When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God to you in lofty words or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ." and him crucified. Julia Ward Howe expressed a similar sentiment when she wrote, in the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. If he died to make folk holy, let us live to set all free while God while God is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. God's truth is marching on. We really are not simply the Episcopal Church, though we are that. We really are the Episcopal branch of the Jesus movement a movement that began long ago, a movement whose roots are deep in the soil of Judaism, a movement deep in the heart of God. That's who we are. And the more we are who we are, the more will become possible beyond what we could even ask or imagine. I realized this not long ago. I was in Seattle, Washington, visit to the wonderful Diocese of Olympia there. And some of you may know that um, Seattle is the home of Starbucks. And the original Starbucks store, the original one, do y'all know about Starbucks? Let me check. Okay. The, the original Starbucks is still there, and, and you can, can go to it. And so, we made it, I thought I should make a pilgrimage. I had been to the cathedral, uh, so I figured I ought to go to the cathedral of the world and went to Starbucks, the original Starbucks. Well, I've only been to Starbucks stores all around the country. I hadn't been to the original Starbucks. And went in and, and ordered my, you know, grande bowl, which is my usual drink. 
And I said, and I'll have a scone. And the server very politely said, we don't serve food here. We serve coffee and fine drinks. And I said, oh, this is the real Starbucks. <laughs> and then I remembered having read Howard Schultz's book, Onward. In his biographical work, he talks about a time when Starbucks had been expanding profoundly um, throughout the country and throughout the world. And not only had they expanded the number of stores that they had, but they actually expanded the menu to the point that the menu multiplied and developed and grew. Um, and he said it was going well. And then all of a sudden, their market share seemed to begin to decline as they were expanding. All of a sudden, their profits seemed to be going down or not going up as fast as they should be. And they became concerned that something had gone wrong, even in their growth and their expansion. And Schultz says in his book Onward, he went in a Starbucks store. And when he went in the store, he could smell the smell of burning cheese more prominent than the smell of coffee. And he realized that Starbucks had lost its way, had grown away from its roots, away from its source, away from its original mission, away from the core that gave it birth and life in the first place. And he said, when you go into a Starbucks and the first thing you smell is burning cheese, something is wrong. We're in the coffee business. And you know what they did? They closed down, this is in 2008, they closed down all the Starbucks stores. They closed them all down. And they sent the baristas back for retraining in how to make fine coffee and produce a context for fine human conversation. My brothers and sisters, we are not in the baking cheese business. We're in the coffee business. And the name of that coffee is Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> That's our business. And the closer we are to our roots, to the source, to the source of our very life, the source of our identity, the reason we are here, the closer we are to that, we will find strength to meet the days ahead. We will find the wisdom and the courage and the creativity necessary to engage the present historical moment. I say that to say that the Jesus movement is not an invention of Michael Curry. This Jesus movement goes way back. Biblical scholars have long described the earliest days of Christianity, its earliest origins as a Jesus movement, as people who gathered around Jesus of Nazareth, who listened to his teaching. Now this isn't a sermon, this is a presentation, but but who listened to his teachings, who looked at his life, who imbibed his spirit, and his spirit began to become their spirit. That's what we call Pentecost. His spirit became their spirit. They found themselves loving the way Jesus loves, giving the way Jesus gives, forgiving the way Jesus forgives, doing justice, loving mercy, walking humbly with God, just like Jesus. And folk watched them and saw them and said, y'all look like little Christ and they nicknamed them Christians my brothers and sisters we are not just the Episcopal Church we are the Episcopal branch 
of the Jesus movement. That's who we are. And that's what the world is pleading and hungering for us to be. But I'm going to keep this short. Yes, President Jennings, you got anything to say? Uh, I'm going to keep it short, I promise. <laughs> Julia Ward Howe is one of my favorite people. And you may recall that she composed her poem that later became the Battle Hymn of the Republic in the midst of a national nightmare, in the very midst of the Civil War, as this nation was tearing itself apart and tearing it asunder as this nation was struggling to find its own soul by setting the captive free. It was in the context of profound disequilibrium, of hard times, of times when the very virtues and values of the country were at stake, a time not dissimilar from our own, a time when a nation time when a world must find its soul again. And it was then that she wrote the words that have become the battle hymn. But she wrote a verse often overlooked in that hymn that speaks of the coming of the Lord. And in that verse she wrote, and I quote, I have seen him, I have seen him, I have seen the Lord, I've seen him in the watchfires of a hundred circling camps. I can read his righteous sentence by the evening dews and damps. His truth is already marching on. I've got some good news for you. No matter what the troubles of this world may be, and their troubles, no matter what the hardships of this world may be, and there are hardships, I've seen him in the watchfires. I've seen him in the watchfires of a hundred circling camps. I've seen the movement of Jesus among us in this church. I saw it when dioceses ravaged by hurricanes and wind and rainstorms. Episcopalians losing their homes, rallied themselves, organized their churches, redeployed resources, turned sanctuaries into sacristies with food for people. I saw it in Puerto Rico. I saw it in the Virgin Islands. I saw it in Florida. I saw it in Texas. I saw it in West Texas. I saw Episcopalians hitting the streets, leading prayer groups. Y'all hear me? <laughs> prayer groups, Bible study, advocating with government agencies. I saw, I have seen him in the watchfires of a hundred circling camps. God's truth, this movement is marching on. But not only there, I've seen, I've seen him in, in, in the prayer groups that are knitting prayer shawls. 
You wouldn't believe how many prayer shawls I now have. And keep them coming, because Lord knows I need them. I've seen them in, 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 in Anglican prayer beads and prayer beads. I've seen them when folk from Navajo land gave me prayer beads, protection beads, which I wear everywhere I go. I've seen it in normal Episcopal churches, sometimes of 15 and 20 folk who worship the Lord on Sunday, who follow Jesus Christ, and who sometimes get up and do what others would not do. I've seen Episcopalians stand with no one, stand with others no one else would stand with. I've seen Episcopalians stand with immigrants. I've seen us stand with refugees. I've seen us stand up for justice. Not in the name of secular values, but in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of love. I've seen it. saw it in Charlottesville, Bishop Shannon Johnston and the clergy of that diocese stood up to make a protest, no, to make a witness for the way of love, even as Nazis and neo-Klansmen shrieked hatred. I saw Episcopalians join with other Christians and other people of other faiths and goodwill. I saw them stand up for the name of love. That is the way of Jesus of Nazareth. We must in our time, we must reclaim a Christianity that actually looks something like Jesus of Nazareth. A Christianity that believes in the Jesus who said, blessed are the poor and the poor in spirit. A Jesus of Nazareth who said, blessed are the peacemakers. A Jesus of Nazareth who says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst that God's righteous justice may prevail in all the world. A Jesus who says from the cross, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The Jesus who says by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. That's Jesus. That's Christianity. It is the way of the cross. It is the way of God's unconditional, unselfish, sacrificial love. And that is the way that will save us all. I've seen him. I saw him and with this I really will sit down. I saw him profoundly when just a few years ago Episcopalians at Standing Rock Sioux Nation, Episcopalians on the reservation stood up for Jesus in the name of love. Father John Floberg and the good people of his congregation and the other congregations nearby stood up and with the support 
of Episcopalians and people of goodwill around the country made sure that the water protectors who were working to protect sacred burial lands, to protect the water so that water would be pure and clean for children, for the people of God. This is not a radical proposition we're talking about. So that there would be clean water, respectful of ancient heritages and tradition. I saw them support the water protectors who were trying to change. I saw them provide pastoral care, spiritual nurture. I saw them trying to be a mediator sometimes between various contending parties. I saw them do the work of racial reconciliation. I saw it. I saw them care for God's creation. I saw it. And I saw them make an evangelical witness in the best sense of that word, representing a way of being Christian that actually looks like Jesus. I saw it. But I saw it almost to the point of tears. When on the camp ground of the water protectors on the Sioux Nation, on the reservation itself, where we were received so graciously, I saw it when there were flags, flags of all of the tribes in, in North America, the US and Canada, tribes from South America, people of goodwill, different religious tradition. I saw it, the flags, you should have seen it. It was incredible. They were, they were in the wind of all the nations and peoples who were trying to stand with the people at Standing Rock. I saw it and then Father Floberg pointed one flag out. It was red, white, and a light color blue. Just want to be clear. I saw it and it was blowing in the wind. It was the flag of the Episcopal Church. But let me tell you about that flag. It's in the archives now. It was an old tattered flag. It was new when they put it up, but that Dakota wind was tearing its threads to shreds. It was tattered. It was worn, but it was flying and the cross at the center of it was there and no one would miss it. It was like that old rugged cross. I saw it. It was the Episcopal Church. No, it was the Episcopal branch of the Jesus movement. And the wind could not stop it. The rain could not stop it. Storms could not stop it. Hard times could not stop it. Because nothing, nothing can stop the movement of Jesus of Nazareth. If you don't believe me, ask Pontius Pilate. He tried. And it didn't work. In the beauty of the lilies, Christ really was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me as he died to make folk holy let us live to set all free while God is marching on glory 
Hallelujah. God's truth is marching on. God love you. God bless you. And let's have a great convention. <laughs> Would you give us our blessing? Give us your blessing and we'll sure. get started. Now, brothers and sisters, go forth into the world in peace. Be strong and of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. But love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. The blessing of God Almighty the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be on you and remain with you in this world, this day, and forevermore. Amen. God love you. Have a great convention. <laughs>